Well, tonight I want to talk to you about faith. Not the faith. Is this okay, this mic? Because it feels a bit weird. Sounds a bit weird. Yeah, we're all good? Okay. Yeah, not the faith where you just believe in God or believe that he exists. I'm talking about the hardcore stuff, the hardcore faith that develops you and extends you and stretches you beyond normal, reasonable limits. The faith that takes you into the unknown and that takes you at times to the edge of expectancy. The sort of faith that gets God's attention and moves heaven on our behalf. That sort of faith, it's not just for a select few, it's not just for Greg and a few of the leaders. That faith is for you and me because we need it. We need that faith for what's ahead in our lives. We need it for what's ahead on this planet Earth and we need it to prepare us for our eternal purpose that God has for us. I wasn't going to sort of share much of a testimony tonight, but Greg nudged me too, so I will. (laughs) The last two years, I've been on a journey seriously like nothing else I've ever been through in my life. It has challenged me so completely, and it's propelled me to a place of intimacy with God like I've never known. I thought I knew God because I've been a Christian for over 30 years. I thought I had this whole Christian life figured out, ticked all the boxes, and I just knew, I thought, I knew God. But I really didn't know him anywhere near what I thought. And I feel like I've been going through boot camp. That's the only way to describe it. You know what that's like? The full-on, full-blown stuff. And it feels to me like God has sort of turned me upside down, turned me inside out. And at times it ain't been pretty, I can tell you. Trust me. And along the way, I just found I had this incredible desire that I didn't have before. And it was a desire to be beautiful for him. To be beautiful for him in all the parts that only he sees, that others don't see, to be beautiful from the core of who I am out. And something about that just kept propelling me to him, to get deeper with him, to to really have that, because that's what I want. And when Greg started speaking about the bride, it was like things started making sense when Greg was talking about us preparing to be Jesus' bride. And so, yeah, it all started sort of being more logical to me. I also feel like I've been on a crash course in learning to hear God's voice. I sort of thought I could hear his voice, and I have heard his voice. Don't get me wrong. But it was like I just had this incredible desire to actually really, really, really know his voice in the little things and the big, way more than I'd done before. Like, I really wanted to hear. I wanted God to train me so I know what his voice is like, above all the noise, to hear him. 
And I felt like over this two years, like God's been bombarding me, heaven's been bombarding me with his promises and speaking to me and reassuring me of this journey that I'm on and that he's with me. And as well as starting to hear his voice more, it's like this, this thing. Seriously, it's like 3D. I tell you there are times when stuff comes off these pages that I would have read I don't know how many times. And it's like literally, um, what's that hologram thing? It's like it just comes off the page and it's 3D. And yeah, I just have this hunger for this that I didn't have before. Yeah, I just fully recommend it. You know how those, you know, like, you know, I've got to do this. I wasn't going to do it, but. Okay, you get these preachers come up, right? And they have a book they have to recommend. And you can go buy it afterwards. Well, get one of these. If you, seriously, if you haven't got one, I will find you one after the service. Come find me and I'll, I'll get you one. I know where I've got a stash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. God's resources, actually. But anyway, this whole journey that I've been on, that God's been stretching me to crazy limits in believing him and trusting him. Right at this moment, it's like I've landed in this space and the only way I can call it is the impossible zone. And that's what I've called tonight, the impossible zone. It's a place where I don't fully understand what God's doing, but I can trust him. I know he's with me and I can trust him, even though what at the moment everything seems to be impossible. He's with me. And I'm so thankful for the last two years of getting closer to him. Tonight I want to ask you, have you got something impossible? How many of you tonight have got something impossible in your life? Whether it's a dream, a promise, something you're asking God for, a healing, whatever it is. Hands up. Anyone got something impossible? Yeah, quite a few of you, eh? So tonight I hope that I can encourage you. Because what we need to do is activate our faith to believe him, to start believing him. He's the God of the impossible. And without faith, it says it's impossible to please him. In Hebrews 11.6, yeah, we need faith. But he is the God of the impossible. So tonight I figured the best place to start if I was going to say anything about faith was Abraham because it says that he's the father of faith so I figured that was a good place to start. Now God spoke to Abraham and he said to him I want you to up sticks, leave your country, leave your people and leave your father's house and go to a land that I'm giving you. So God was repositioning Abraham ready for what he had ahead. Abraham had no idea what God had ahead. He probably couldn't have even dreamed or imagined it because it was huge what God was bringing for him. You see, God didn't just one day say to Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son and that's it. I mean, that would have been really cool because Abraham actually was 75 at that point and Sarah was 65, so I'm figuring, like, it would be quite a good thing for him, you know, having been able to have a son and seeing as God was going to give him all this land. 
But anyway, what God did say, he said, I will make of you a great nation. That's what he said to him. A way bigger thing. Abraham didn't even have one child. And God was saying, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Like, what? And then God took Abraham out and got him to look up. He said, look up at the stars and count them. See if you can count them for me. Now, if it was dark tonight and I sent Jaden outside, and it was a nice clear night, and got him to start counting how many stars in the sky, he probably wouldn't get back in for quite a while. Do you think? I mean, it's a lot of stars. And not only that, he said to Abraham, look at the sand. Like, look at the sand of the seashore and how much, can you count, you know, like, could you count it? Of course you can't. He said, so will your offspring be. So God was making Abraham a promise of land, but also of offspring, but also giving him a promise for eternity. He gave, God gave him an outrageous promise, don't you think? I mean, it's pretty outrageous. It was pretty out there. But Abraham, you know, he could have said, hey, you know, are you serious? Have you noticed, God, that the baby factory isn't working? You know, like, this just ain't happening. But it says Abraham believed. He believed and it was credited to him as righteousness because he believed. He believed God. And quite a long period of time went by as most of us know the story. And along the way, God reminded him every now and then. He'd send somebody or just speak to him and remind him about that promise. But, you know, I think because I think God was very clever in what he gave Abraham because it meant every night when he went out and it was a starry night, he was reminded of that promise. And when he'd perhaps be sitting down maybe in the desert somewhere and he'd pick up some sand in his hand and, and let it run through his fingers, it would remind him again of the promise. So everywhere he turned... God was reassuring him even though it was going to take time he kept reassuring him well that was all very well God you know 10 years have gone by now and Sarah decided that actually it was long enough you know and she decided to give God a helping hand any of you like to do that sometimes seriously I'm sort of like one of these people who I have to fix things and I have to make things happen. And actually I get paid to do that. So like, but I love doing that. I love fixing things and making things happen. But there are times when we have to let go and just let God do it. We can't do it. We need to, you know, we can't tell him how to do it. But sometimes we think we can. Even in how we pray, it's like we can like give God instructions, you know. This is how, you know, if you go and tell so-and-so that, and you know, it doesn't work that way. But anyway, so Sarah decided that she'd waited long enough. Ten years gone by. So she said to Abraham, here's my maid. Go sleep with her and we'll have a son. Which they did. They had Ishmael. But God still had something way greater. He didn't just decide, oh, whoops. Plan A didn't work. Oh, we'll go for plan B. All right, it's Ishmael now. We won't worry. We'll flag the other plan. 
No, 15 years later, Isaac came along. Isaac was the one that God had promised Abraham and Sarah. Don't compromise on the things that God is speaking to you about. Don't compromise. It's worth the wait. It really is worth the wait. We sang that song tonight, God is able. He is able. He will never fail us. Never fail us. If you think about who he is and actually get to know who he is, he's the creator of the universe. He put the planets in their courses and he does things in split seconds of time. I can tell you this because I've seen it, but you only need to look out there at the heavens at what he's done and what he's done in making us. He is the creator of everything. And we can totally trust in him and his timing and and how he does things. And he will never fail us. You've got some things tonight that you know he's put in your heart. He will not fail you. Don't compromise. I just want to look for a moment at someone else in the Bible. Martin Steele, when he was here some time ago, quoted... Um, and I don't know who this other guy was, and sorry, I couldn't find him out. Is he said, God opens a window and the future steps in. God opens a window and the future steps in. And I just for a moment want to look at the life of Joseph, which was Abraham's great-grandson, if I'm not mistaken. Now Joseph, at 17... So we might have anyone 17 tonight here? Yeah, cool. Yes, go Jets. Okay, so Joseph was... No, Greg, come on, please. (laughs) 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 Right, focus, focus. Okay. When Joseph was 17, now, I just want to just get, fill you in a bit on who Joseph was. Well, a bit about who, him. His mum, Rachel, couldn't have children, right? But his dad, Jacob, had other wives, so there were ten other sons. And one day, God remembered Rachel, and she fell pregnant and had Joseph. So he was like a miracle baby, okay? He was a really longed-for child. And his father, Jacob, would have doted on him. And so when he was 17 and he had some dreams about things, it didn't go down too well with his brothers. Because the dreams, he had two dreams. He dreamt that the sun, moon and stars bowed down to him, 11 stars. And he also had a dream that the sheaves of wheat all bowed down to him. And so I guess he was probably thinking, hey, this is really cool. I'm the man. I'm going to be in charge. And he suddenly had this power, probably, from, you know, I mean, pretty spectacular dream. But right after that, thud. He landed in a pit. He landed in a pit. His brothers threw him in a pit. 
he ends up getting sold into slavery and he ends up being a servant in a house in Egypt. But it says in my Bible that God was with him. Even in that, God was with him and his favour was upon him. And then everything went wrong again and he was falsely accused and he lands in prison. But it says again, God was with him and God's favour was on him. Well, when he turned 30, he became Prime Minister of Egypt. So go figure, how did that happen, really? 13 years later... He had his dream fulfilled, 13 whole years. But God was working in him. And I just want you to know tonight, if you're facing or you're standing in the impossible zone tonight, God is with you. He's with you. Someone needs to know that tonight. God's with you. Lastly tonight, I actually want to look at Hebrews 12, if you want to turn with it. Um, with me in your Bibles tonight. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Before I go any further with that, just looking at that, I just want to say tonight, don't give up. When it's taking too long, it just took too long for Sarah and she gave up. Don't give up. God wants to work in us in the times when we we have to wait. Sometimes, don't we as parents withhold things from our children sometimes for good reason? Or maybe it's so that we can reward them later. We withhold something and it, it just brings, it, it gets them acted, activated into what they need to do. In Hebrews 10, um, 35 to 39 it talks about perseverance. It says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, I wanted to go into that, but I thought that would be another whole sermon, so I won't go there. So it says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. It also says in there, we are not of those who shrink back. We are not of those who shrink back. If you're feeling a bit like that tonight, I just want to encourage you some point this week to stand up and say that. To stand and start believing it. And don't shrink back. Don't give up. Don't miss out. Why would you want to miss out? If I told you tonight that in a year's time you were going to have a million dollars, okay, but you couldn't have it until a year's time, I mean, you wouldn't give up, would you? Like, you would be pursuing this thing. You would do whatever, like you would stand on your head and do cartwheels for it. Like, you would keep going. And the things that God has for us, just keep going, even when it doesn't make sense. Because he's got so much for us on this earth and for our eternity with him. Yeah, 
so don't give up. Let patience have its perfect work. Don't you hate patience? I went through a really rebellious stage over patience. It seriously irked me, being patient and hearing anyone say to me about patience. It was just one of those things. Just like, oh. But it also says, and um, I haven't got the reference here, but it says faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Okay, there's two things hand in hand, faith and patience. Faith's great, love, love that, can go with that, stand here, believe God, yes. Patience, that's a whole other story, isn't it? Having to be patient. There was another thing with that um, perseverance that I was going to say, and it was about how perseverance, in fact, yeah, perseverance produces character and character hope and hope does not disappoint. In actual fact, before the word perseverance, it talks about suffering first, but I didn't like that bit, so I was going to try and leave it out because <laughs> who wants to suffer, you know? The perseverance, like, is a good, you know, yeah. So it says perseverance produces character and character hope and hope does not disappoint in Romans 5 verse 4, God will not disappoint you. Okay, did you hear what I said? God will not disappoint you. He will not. You know, when he speaks something, when he speaks it, this is what I believe to be so. When he speaks something, he sees it already there in the future somewhere. When he speaks he creates. He starts a process of creating, of shifting things and moving things for that purpose that he's spoken. And tonight I just want to encourage you to be single-minded, to be single-minded in what you have ahead of you that you're believing God for. Take every thought captive, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, up here we have a battle, a huge battle. I found that I've had to like grab when I've had a negative thought, I've had to grab it and take it immediately. Because you know what happens? I'm sure you do. Like we end up with like half a dozen scenarios going round in our head and they're all negative. Like all the what ifs. Like just for a minute, you know, whole lot of what ifs. So we go down all these roads. And we actually end up with something we're looking at just in our head, but it's real. We've made it real. So don't go there. Like, seriously, make a habit of when the what-ifs come in, just that's it. I'm going to forbid that. I'm not even going to go there in my thinking. To have a relentless pursuit for him. To really, really want to know him. I found this... This time in my life, it has made, sent me on a journey of relentlessly pursuing him. Another thing is don't let the past rob you of your future. Don't default to what's happened in the past because God's got so much more in the future. The second part or of what I was going to read, actually it's verse 2 in Hebrews 12. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, you know, I, I knew these verses, but now I know them like I really know them. It says fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, look up. Look up. Look at the stars. Look up. Look at the land I'm giving you. Look up. And it says in Hebrews 11, he looked up and he saw the city in the future. That city that that was made by God. So tonight, look up. Don't look down. Look up. Look at him. Fix your eyes on him. Peter got out of the boat and he had his eyes on Jesus, but then he took his eyes off and looked down. And that's when he started to sink. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, he wants to show us who he is. He wants to display his glory to us. There is so much about God that is a mystery. So much. But when something's a mystery, don't you want to just find out? Like, don't you just, doesn't it make you curious for more? To really know? Yeah. And he just, in the thing you're going through right now, he wants to display his glory. He wants to show you how big he is. And who he really is. As the band comes back. Thank you, Jada. The last point. Okay, that one point was fixing our eyes on Jesus. The second point in this was he is the perfecter of our faith. I hadn't seen that before till recently and I was saying to Greg about it. You know, it's a little bit of a buzz for me. Perfecter. Perfecter of our faith. There's just so much in that. Believing him. Do we believe him? We can believe him to a little point but he wants to just keep refining us to really, really believe him. To go, it's like layer upon layer to believe him. Abraham believed him and it was credited to him as righteousness when he believed. And trust. How much will you trust him? You know, the more you trust somebody, or the more, sorry, I get it around the right way, the more you know somebody, the more you'll trust them. Have you noticed that? I'm not going to trust someone with, with Noah, my grandson, unless I know them. I, I wouldn't just say hello to someone, a perfect stranger, and then say, here, can you look after him? The more we know someone, the more we're going to trust them. And the more we know God. You see, actually, at the end of the day, it's all about knowing him. It really is all about knowing him. And the more we know him, the more we're going to trust him. So he's perfecting our faith. I just really want to encourage you tonight, if you're stood in an impossible place, will you activate your faith and believe him and allow him to move heaven for you? Because he will, that's who he is. He does. That's what he does.
As I finish tonight, I just want to bring a challenge. You know, if you've heard me talk about some things to do with God, and maybe you don't know God yet, and I've been talking about knowing Him and believing Him. And if you're here tonight and you really don't know Him, and you want to know Him tonight, I just want to encourage you to, whether you want to just put your hand up, stand up where you are, or come out the front and we'll pray with you. So if that's you tonight, please come forward. We're all on this journey to know him, aren't we? Let's close our eyes a minute as they start playing. Father, I just thank you for who you are. And I just pray for every person in this place that they will come to know you tonight. For anyone who is sat in these seats who really doesn't know you and hardly knows what I'm talking about, I just pray that you will draw them to you tonight and that they will take that first step of faith on that journey with you. And I pray for those tonight, Father, who are living in that impossible place right now, dwelling there, not living there, because they're going to be moving on. But I just pray, God, for those people, and I ask you tonight that you will activate faith in their hearts, that you will stir them, that you will strengthen their faith, that they will be able to rise and look up and stop looking at the circumstance and how impossible it is and look up and fix their eyes on you tonight. And if they don't know you, that they will start that journey, Father, so they can trust you and let go of the things that they're holding on to and let you do it, Father. Father.